Welcome to the Improve This Podcast with Brent Finnamore. Powerful, practical tools developed through Brent's 25 years of experience working with hundreds of companies in dozens of industries across the globe. Many of the tools Brent shares in his podcast can be further explored in his books on service, sales, and leadership available on Amazon. To learn more about how Brent helps organizations improve, go to thefinnamoregroup.com. And now, here's Brent. Hi, welcome back to my personal productivity series. You sure picked the right podcast to listen to today. I'm going to show you how to lose 20 pounds, how to improve the damage relationship, double your income, grow your business, never get a speeding ticket again, get the promotion you deserve, master your favorite sport, clear all your debts, get your dream home, balance work and home life, stop a pandemic from affecting your loved ones. In short, I'm going to show you how to get rid of anything you don't want in your life and how to get anything you want. Now, that for sure sounds like a flashy overpromise, but believe me, the road to get there is not as easy as I make it sound. What I'm going to show you is simple, but not easy. Hey, if it were easy, you'd already have all the things you think you want, right? You're probably going to have some unlearning to do. Now, I'm going to start by telling you about the law of wants. I find about a third of people I teach this to get it right away. Another third, when I show them the law of wants, they're initially shocked, but they come around after a little thought. And about a third of people reject it completely and close their minds. Now, before I share it with you, keep in mind that your opinion on what I'm going to tell you has no effect whatsoever on its validity. I also want to emphasize that when I talk about the law of wants in this podcast, I'm not talking about things that are out of your control or influence, like a condition you were born with, let's say a hereditary spinal disease, or a congenital heart condition, or a mental challenge, and so on. And of course, it also excludes things completely out of your control, like a pandemic, or losing a loved one, or an overpass crumbling and falling on your car. We're not challenging the laws of physics here, but I am definitely 100% challenging your current beliefs. So here's the law of wants. What's it say? You can have anything you want. In fact, not only can you have anything you want, you're actually getting it. (laughs) You're getting what you want right now. You always get what you want most. Always. You're always doing what you want most to be doing. Think about it. You're always exactly where you most want to be. In fact, you don't even have a choice. Someone says, I want to lose 10 pounds. Apparently not. You still have them. I'd rather be in Hawaii. Apparently not. You're here. I'd rather be fishing. Apparently not. You're listening to this podcast and doing something else. Wanting, as I'm defining it here, is not the same as wishing. Now, the law of wants tells us with brutal clarity exactly how success and happiness and disappointment and failure come to be in our lives. We create it. Look, imagine a genie pops out of a lamp and says, you can take as long as you want to decide on one power you'd like to possess. And when you decide on what that power is to be, I will grant it to you. So you read all the self-improvement literature you can find. You attend motivational seminars. You watch TED Talks. You listen carefully to podcasts. You consult the most successful people you know and try to get their ideas you consult spiritual leaders and so on. And with, if you take all the time you want, without a doubt, the single greatest power you could ever have and you would ask for would be the power to get whatever you want. You already have that power. And I'm going to prove it 
with three questions. Number one, think of three things you have in your life that you wanted and you got them. Now, these are some of your accomplishments, right? Your home, your car, your spouse, your partner, your job. You wanted them and you have them. Simple, right? Okay. Check out question number two. Think of three or four things that you want but you don't presently have. A new home, a promotion, a bigger business, a higher income, a vacation in the sun, an expensive sports car, greater fitness, a better relationship with a family member. The fact that you don't currently have them is proof you don't want them most. You want something else. You want what you have, which is why you have it. Why was my first question so easy and natural to understand? But this second question ruffles our feathers. We confuse wanting with wishing, don't we? Now check out question three. Think of three things that you have, but you don't want. Those are called problems. Now this one is going to really ruffle your feathers. If you see it in your life, you know you wanted it. Just like it's true that you have many of the things that you wanted because you put them there, and everyone can see that and accept that so easily, it's equally true that everything you think you don't want and you have is there because you put it there. Any extra weight, any health problem, debt, a bad relationship, current performance in any part of your life, even your income, all of it. It's there because you put it there. You put it there because you wanted it and you wanted it more than any alternative at the time. But look at each and every aspect of your life with this principle in mind. Again, everything you see is there because you put it there. You created it. How? By behaving your way into it. You created it because you wanted it or you wanted to behave in a way that created the conditions for it. Anytime you don't get what you want, you immediately know you didn't really want it or you'd have it. That's how this law works. You wanted something else more. When you look at every aspect of your life, it's so easy to point to things that you have right now that you think you didn't want. A financial problem, a broken relationship, physical problems, health problems, even health problems, really. In fact, you could probably point to things in your life that are so seemingly the fault of someone else or something else that you could probably get 100 people to agree with you, but that will only misguide you further. And I know this law flies directly in the face of what most of us truly believe. The key to having is wanting. Wanting equals having. How do you know that you really wanted something? When you have it. How do you know when you really didn't want a thing? If you don't yet have it. Wanting something and actually having it are identical concepts. They're not separate or distinct from one another, except by action and time. Wanting and having are really two ends of the same continuum. They are not separate ideas. And the object of the continuum is you. Your beliefs, your values, your self-image, your hunger, your ambition, your personality, your thinking patterns, your fears, your convictions. You. Wherever we are and whatever situation we find ourselves in, good or bad, comfortable or uncomfortable, we are precisely where we're supposed to be based on our thoughts, decisions, actions, or inactions. In fact, we couldn't possibly be anywhere else. Our wants have pulled us there, 
or we wouldn't be there. Everything that ever happens to us happens through us, through our minds, our thoughts, the decisions we make and the actions we take. Now, if you're having trouble with this concept, and I'm sure you're trying to think of exceptions, 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 right? It will help to understand this. Wanting is both conscious and subconscious. Most of our real wants are subconscious. We're not consciously aware of them. If a subconscious want is in direct contrast to a conscious want, guess which one wins? <laughs> That's why it seems so hard to get the things we think we want sometimes. Subconsciously, we don't want to pay the price for our conscious wants. So think of a want as a magnet, and you're, of course, a steel ball, right? And, and so, naturally, the ball rolls toward the magnet. The ball is attracted to the magnet. The strongest magnet wins and pulls you toward it. I want an $800,000 home, but I also want to stay in my same job and not work harder than I already do to earn it. Poof, I get what I want. I want to transform my department and astound customers with new service ideas I've been working on. But I also don't want to make waves, stir up trouble, or irritate my fellow managers. Poof, I get what I want. These are the kinds of competing wants we all face whenever we make decisions, either consciously or unconsciously. The strongest magnet wins every time. In fact, you can't even stop it, but you can change it. Now, you always know what your strongest wants are and what you presently desire most simply by looking at your life. It doesn't matter what you think you want. You'll know by what you do and what you have because wanting and having are the same thing. The world we live in always gives us what we want and what we invite. Whatever we're willing to do or stop doing or endure to create is exactly what the world gives us. Why? Because we ask for it repeatedly through our actions or our inactions. How's your financial situation? How's your health? How are your relationships? Your progress as a professional? Answer, precisely as good as you're willing to have them be at this moment in time. And if it's not, it's simply because you can't stand it any better than it presently is. So I want to teach you the three-step. The three-step is a little dance. You know, there's the two-step. This is the three-step. It's a little dance I created to help you leverage the law of wants and get it deliberately working for you. Step one, look what I created. Step two, I wonder how I did that. And step three, how would I like it to be? Let me show you how to do this dance. Step one, oh, look what I created. That means own your contribution. No blaming others, no saying it wasn't my fault, it was this person's or that person's fault. The easiest thing in the world to be is a victim because when we don't, because when we're victims, we don't have to change, right? But here's the problem. If we don't change, we get the same problems all over again. Some people live their entire lives trapped in this vicious cycle of blaming. Things don't happen to you. You get that? Things never happen to you. You create them. We have to stop using that expression, you know, because, you know, we say, you won't believe what happened to me today. Did you say that when you bought yourself a home? Did you say, guess what happened to me today? A home became mine? No. You kind of say, you say, look what I created. Look what I did. Well, why can't we do that with the unpleasant things too? If you see it in your life, if it happens to you, you know you wanted it. You wanted it or you wanted to allow the conditions to exist where it could happen. And not only did you want it, but if it's still there, you also know that you currently want to keep it. 
You see, it's deliberate when we speed. <laughs> we almost always know we're doing it. We want to speed more than we want to avoid creating the conditions where we might get caught or have an accident. It's on purpose when we argue, always. We fully know we're doing it. In the moment, we want to argue more than we want to listen or change our tone or change our approach. We never accidentally overspend. We always know when we're spending and creating debt. We want it more than we want to not have the thing we're spending on. Just because we're not always consciously aware we're doing something, it doesn't make it an accident. So you're at a casino rolling dice. You have money on the table. Who put it there? You did. As soon as you roll the dice, what you know instantly is that you want to risk losing your money. You want to create the conditions where you could. As soon as you roll the dice, you instantly accept all possible outcomes of the dice. Or you wouldn't have rolled them. I'm not saying don't take risks. I believe in risks. I'm saying if something happens to you that makes you unhappy, like a speeding ticket, you have to be able to see how you created that and then decide how you'll move forward. You can't blame the police officer or the croupier at the casino. Anytime you lift something heavy without using your legs, you're asking for a back injury. You're rolling the dice. When you lift something heavy without using your legs, you instantly accept all possible outcomes. When you argue with your spouse, you instantly accept all possible outcomes. Don't blame your heredity in this case, and don't blame your spouse. No blaming, but also no judging in step one. No beating yourself up. God, how could I be so stupid? What's wrong with me? See, anytime we diminish our own creative power, we disempower ourselves. Since you have the power to create anything you want, you have to wonder about what you did without judging yourself. So, the last part of step one is you say to yourself, oh, look what I created. Look what I made happen. I must have wanted it. That's interesting. Now we come to step two in our dance. Step two, I wonder how I did that. Here, you're uncovering your certainties that led to your contribution. I wonder how I did that means, I wonder what certainties I have that caused me to want this. Our certainties about life are what control our lives. Your certainties about your job are what control your job. Your certainties about your health are what control your health. So, a certainty is something we hold to be true and irrefutable. Let's go back to the statement someone made in one of my classes. I'd rather be in Hawaii. Apparently not. You're here. And then she said, well, if I left for Hawaii this morning, I'd lose my job. I said, so what you want is to not lose your job. Yes. Congratulations. You're getting what you want. The law is working perfectly. Her certainty, I'll lose my job, causes her to want to be here more than Hawaii. In fact, I said to her, <laughs> there's actually no place on earth that you'd rather be at this very moment than where you are right now and in the very seat you're sitting in. How do you know? Because you're there. Look, let's say you're overweight and you don't like being that way. You feel self-conscious or you're worried about your health. Who created the situation? You did. There's only one answer. Because you wanted it. You wanted it because you believed it had to be this way. And that's not your fault. This isn't a blaming thing, and there's no judging. 
But we say to ourselves, it's my genetics, you believe. Or I have a slower metabolism than leaner people, you believe. Or I don't possess the willpower that other people seem to have. Or I hate exercise, and so on. So every single day you look in the mirror and you consciously, you want to be leaner, but you can't get that as committed as you need to be to exercise or to better eating habits. And that's simply because unconsciously you don't want to. You want to not exercise more than you want to burn off the body fat. You want to stay as you are more than you want to change your eating habits. And poof, you get what you want. Your actions and your inactions make you get what you really want. You can't even stop it until you change your certainties. Do you ever notice how when it strikes you that you want something, you start to bring up all the reasons why it'll be hard? Each of these reasons you tell yourself are in fact beliefs. When this happens, it causes you not to move forward and you're proving that you don't really want it. You want something else. You see, what gives this law its power, the law of wants, is your current set of beliefs. That's why we're doing step two. I wonder how I did that. What certainties do I hold? Jan insists she wants a million-dollar executive home. If Jan doesn't really believe she can have a million-dollar home without wrecking the rest of her life and throwing it off balance, then she won't get it. She won't get it because she won't use her deepest resources to make it happen, even though she's capable. So in the end, she didn't really want it because she didn't believe she could have it all. What she wants most is to keep the life she has because that she can believe. So hey, everybody, look at Jan getting what she wants most. No million-dollar home. You want to get some exercise going for a walk, but you don't want to go out in the rain and get wet. You hate that. You want to expand your business, but you don't want to have to borrow money for the huge marketing costs associated with growth because you don't believe you can handle that. You want to avoid cardiovascular disease, but you don't want to exercise or eat better. You want to argue less with your kids, but you don't want to give in to their dumb, disrespectful remarks. If you don't find a way to get past your limiting beliefs, you know, you'll know that what you really wanted was something else. You didn't really want that thing after all. So now we move to step three of the dance. The last step, the most beautiful step of the three. How would I like it to be? There is no question in this world more powerful than when a human being asks themselves, how would I like it to be? It is the beginning of our true creative power. So step three is where the real power happens. You start consciously directing your own creative power. If you want your life to be of a higher quality than it presently is, you first must conceive of what that quality is. You have to devote a lot of focus and mental energy thinking about what better means for you. Think deeply about what you really want in your relationships, in your finances, in your health, then deepen the want until it becomes so strong a magnet that it pulls you irresistibly toward it. I mean, when are you and I ever more alive than in the active pursuit of a challenging but attainable want? Now, the presence of a strong want creates tension. Look, that's a good thing. This tension's positive. The tension created by wanting something versus not having it brings about a greater capacity for action and persistence if we got our beliefs right. We're throwing gas on the fire. Well, that's why good managers set five-year, three-year, one-year, and quarterly goals. Then they measure and reward progress regularly. People, set, people see progress and they want to create more. They want to do more. Positive tension. To increase that tension and throw gas on the fire, 
you need to increase the intensity of your current state pain and your desired state pleasure. Pain means frustration, discontentment, dissatisfaction, restlessness, and so on. Pleasure means any uncomfortable emotion like contentment or happiness, satisfaction or excitement. As you deepen your associations to pain and discomfort so that the pain of staying in your current state becomes greater than the pain of taking action, that's when exciting things happen. That's when you start making progress. Everything in life you think you want comes with two price tags, doesn't it? There's the price you pay for getting it and there's the price you pay for not getting it. And you will pay one or the other. You have no choice in this. What you do have a choice in is which price you'll pay. Whenever we make a decision on anything, to exercise, to spend money or save it, to talk to a family member, to take on a new business partner, we always have a cost calculation to perform in our minds. The cost of doing a thing versus the cost of not doing a thing. So it comes down to this. You'll always pay the price you want most to pay. You don't even have a choice. So start thinking consciously about that question over the next few days, and you'll start taking control of your conscious and subconscious decision-making processes. My favorite question to ask myself when I catch myself uh, hesitating on an action that I want to take is, what could it cost me to not do this right now? And I try to think about that. So the old saying, you know, it goes, you can pay now and play later, or you can play now and pay a lot more later, but you will pay eventually. So the three-step. Look what I created. I wonder how I did that, and how would I like it to be? Anyone who masters this kind of thinking has the world in their hands. Thank you for listening. Once again, you can learn more about Brent's Enterprise Performance Solutions at thefinnamoregroup.com. 